What's up guys? In this episode, our guest is going to be Isaac Young from Vermont. I recently started watching Isaac's videos on YouTube. You can find a link in the description of this podcast to his channel if you want to watch some of his videos. He's got footage of some of the stories that we're going to talk about in this episode. But I found his videos because I'm so interested in tracking and that's kind of his main strategy that he uses throughout the season. In this episode specifically, we're going to talk about hunting without snow, but also talking about some of the specifics and some stories and unique strategies that he uses when he's tracking as well. I learned a lot from Isaac, so I'm hoping that you guys do as well. But before we get into it, I wanted to let you guys know that we've teamed up with Vortex to give away an all-expenses paid turkey hunt with the THP crew. Along with hitting the turkey woods with us, lodging, licenses, Vortex gear, and $1,000 for travel is all included. We'll also film the hunt and put it on our YouTube channel, and entering to win is easy. All you got to do is head to thp.vtxnation.com, enter your email, and you're done. Stay tuned to the Vortex and THP social platforms for more info and be on the lookout. In upcoming THP Turkey Tour videos, we'll also be sharing the link there as well. Another giveaway that you might be interested in is the Go Wild UTV giveaway. Now through March 31st, for every member you get to join Go Wild, you get an entry for a chance to win a Polaris UTV. Here's how to enter. If you're a Go Wild member already, you can go to your profile and hit share Go Wild to get your unique share link. For every new member that you get to join Go Wild, you get an additional entry for a chance to win. If you're not a Go Wild member yet, create a free Go Wild account and automatically get an entry. And then you can continue to get more entries in the giveaway by sharing the app by doing that same thing. Hit share Go Wild for your unique share link. If you send it to your buddies and they join, then you're gonna get an additional entry for that chance to win the Polaris UTV. For more details, you can go to timetogowild.com backslash UTV. Also, if you're interested in getting a new bow this off season, you can save 10% off all bear equipment if you use our code THP10. A quick tip that I have for getting a new bow is just go to your local shop, shoot as many as you can, and compare which ones that fit into your price range and just go with that bow. My opinion is whatever bow you feel the most comfortable with is ultimately going to be the bow that you feel the most confident with. Then, if you want to save some money, you can use our code. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoy this podcast with Isaac Young. I guess to start, just tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, I've been watching um, your videos. I first started watching them pretty recently when I was in New York. Some of the guys up there were playing a bunch of tracking videos and saw some of your videos and then i realized that your buddy's with uh connor schlong and i was like oh yeah i've been trying to get him to talk to me for a long time too and he just keeps being like nah man i don't know he'll be like ah, i'm in and then i'm out and then but then yeah. i was like well i'll just talk to isaac then so tell me something yep. a little bit about yourself so i uh i'm born and raised here in southern vermont and uh, grew up hunting right out of my front door really, or backdoor, depending on which way I wanted to go on the hill. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I think I kind of took that for granted, you know, as of in, recently, I kind of, you know, I've realized how lucky I am to have grown up in the situation, you know, that I'm in. Oh, but, yeah. uh, you know, I have tons of, tons of country to explore. Um, it's pretty much endless around here. I mean, the public land is just, it's endless. Yeah. You no, know? but, um, 
the deer hunting, it's not the greatest, you know, the habitat lacks, um, our ground is, is not the greatest, yeah. you know, for like antler development and all that stuff. But, you know, I love to, I love to hunt, love to track, track bucks. That's my favorite thing to do. So, yeah. So when you talk about habitat and it not being good, I mean, paint a little bit more of a picture of what that looks like for people that maybe don't know exactly the status of a lot of the forest in the Northeast and really the East in general. Okay. Yeah. So where I'm, where I'm at in, in Southern Vermont, a lot of the national forest hasn't been logged for a long time. Um, so a, a lot of it is just open hardwoods with, you know, uh, spruce tops in the mountains and, you know, some swamps here and there, but you don't get a lot of that edge that deer need. You know, and then another thing is in the 1800s, early 1900s, a lot of our oak was cut off. So, I mean, we just really do not have a lot of food for the deer. And uh, it makes for some tough hunting, too. And with uh, harsh winters, sometimes, you know, it uh, it makes for hard hunting. Um, We do have some ag in the valleys and, you know, the river bottoms, but you know, not enough to really, to really say so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that jumps out to me all the time that is easily overlooked, even by people that live in those states that when there's a whole bunch of old growth forest, it may look pretty to stand in and maybe easy to right. walk through, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for wildlife. And I think without yeah. going into a whole side tangent of, you know, things to fix, you know, there's, there's all kinds of changes that could be made really in so many places, but, um, right. Yeah. I think that yeah, to, to back that up, I think it's just, there's a lot of places in the East that are just old growth and it just really doesn't yeah. allow for like high density of deer. And I think that, you know, I've, I've talked a lot about on the podcast and I'm sure you guys deal with it all the time. It's like, just trying to bring as much light to that as possible yeah. because not everywhere in the country looks like what you see on TV, right? That's not really That's relatable yeah. to what you're doing. <laughs> no, yeah, you're, you're totally right. And I will say I am happy with um, the state of Vermont. A lot of our state pieces, they're starting to cut mm-hmm. and actually manage. Mm-hmm. And I love it, man. In, in my lifetime, you know, I'm young. But in my lifetime, I've actually seen improvements <clears throat> in the state pieces mm-hmm. um, where it seems like the national forest, which is the majority of our public land, is still lacking in a lot of ways. Yeah. But, you know, uh, when I buy a Vermont hunting license every year, they give you an option when you're ready to check out. You can buy a, a wildlife stamp um, and you can, you know, five, ten dollars, twenty dollars or as much as you want. And, and that money goes towards wildlife. So, you know, I think, um, that's really great in a way, you know? Oh yeah. I think it's always like throwing some donations in there when you buy those licenses. Cause it's like, you know, it's going to the thing that you care about and you want to, you know, help make better. So I don't, I'm all for all that as well. What, uh, I guess when you're gonna go hunting then when you're doing your map scouting and you're looking at places and you're thinking, you know, whether it's you're going out to scout or you're going out to hunt. What are some of the things that you're looking for 
considering most of the habitat is probably fairly uh, similar. You're not finding tons of edges. You're not finding like the edge of a cut or um, fields or anything like that. You're just looking at solid stands of timber. What are some of the things that you focus on first? So it's kind of funny to say this, but when I'm looking at uh, Onyx or Google Earth, I like Google Earth a lot for um, when I'm doing my like baseline map scouting because uh, a lot of the mountain peaks will have pictures that you can click on Google Earth. It'll have like pictures of the mountain peaks and you can really get a good feel of the way the land lays. And what I'm looking for a lot of times, it sounds so silly to say, but huntable ground because a lot of our ground is like straight up, straight down. You know, I'm looking for like a, a deep, a deep bowl or, you know, some flats because, you know, whitetails still like to congregate in like a, an area where they can, you know, fight, breed, lay down sign. You know, not a lot of times you're going to find a big community scrape on a side of a cliff, right? So, you know, when I'm looking into a lot of these big areas, I'm just looking for huntable ground, you know, to, if I can boil it down. Yeah, I like that, man. I've been waiting for somebody to say that for a long time because it's something that yeah. I've definitely noticed as well, hunting in steep terrain. I mean, whether that's for deer or elk or whatever, it's like there's a certain, you know, level of use that you'll find still in that super steep stuff. You know, sometimes maybe that's where a big buck wants to lay is down on that super steep stuff. But as far as, like you said, that congregation of sign, you're not going to find that community scrape necessarily on something super steep. And it's definitely something that over the years I've kind of found a tendency to be looking for as well is just like something that is flat enough where deer might be hanging out. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we think that he's looking or that he's going to be right there and that's where we're going to kill him. But that's a certain, like kind of a starting point. I like that answer for sure. It, Cause again, I've seen the same thing in both deer and elk. It's like, they may be in both places, but those flat spots are definitely, um, good congregation areas. So as far as like habitat, then is there something that you've seen a trend? Is it, is there like, uh, any trends with the swamp edges or, um, anything in particular, maybe that's some sort of disturbance that isn't typical that you find when you're out there, like actually hunting, scouting, that you tend to see deer around a little bit more? Well, for me, uh, in my style, it's usually in spruce, okay. you know, so the spruce line, a lot of places is around here. It's like 3000 feet. You know, some of the mountains around me go up as, as high as 42, 4,300 feet. So a lot of the bigger bucks are going to be up in that spruce a lot of the time. And I've seen it where those bucks, they just won't come down. They'll just be up there. They'll get a doe up in there and they just won't come down. So, I mean, you could walk all the way around a big old mountain and never cut a buck track. Mm -hmm. But if you get up in that spruce, that's where he's at. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, that's, that's what I like to uh, gravitate towards, you know, swamps as well. Swamps are great. I just, I don't love them. You know, mm -hmm. that's just my style, you know, but yeah. Um, you know, track tracking in swamps is very difficult. Yeah. Um, in and around swamps, because man, it, you could it, you take a big old buck track in an alder swamp, and you're you're just gonna kick them out of there, and then it's gonna be you know, you know. But that's pretty cool. I 
don't really know that I've encountered a ton of um, spruce peaks necessarily. I mean, I see them. I see them on maps. I see them as I'm driving. I've seen them a lot when I'm driving around turkey hunting, honestly. Yep. It's uh, There's nothing like it when you get up in those spruce tops because it's it's almost got like kind of a spooky feel up there. Like everything's dark, you know, and you'll have the lower, uh, the younger growth coming up, like Christmas tree size stuff. And, um, you know, when you're tracking up there, everything's quiet, especially on like a still day. Like there's really nothing like it. Yeah. Jake and I, one of the other THP guys, we've for years now said uh, when you get into that spot where the big buck lives, it almost feels like you shouldn't be there. You know, there's that spookiness to it for sure. I'm assuming you do some bow hunting as well. Yeah, I, lo- I love to bow hunt, man. It's uh, probably the worst place you could bow hunt yeah. is around where I live. I mean, well, actually, I take that back because, like, where I live, I'm in the Taconics, actually, the Taconic Mountain Range. And uh, my family's had a piece of property here forever. And, um, you know, so, like, right around my house, it's actually pretty decent bow hunting. But um, with only one buck tag in Vermont, I'm usually just hunting for does around the house. I love it. I love uh, still hunting with a bow, and I have a saddle set up. I love it. So, Well, tell me about your still hunting with a bow, because that interests me. What's your strategy look like when you do that? The same as when I have a gun. You know, I, I prefer loud days um, because, you know, I'll do the old walk 10, 15 feet, stop, listen. You know, especially like prime time is my favorite time to do it, you know, because that's when the deer are up and moving. And, um, I've had a lot of great days on dry 65 degree, you know, weather, you know, just like sneaking around listening for deer. And, but yeah, it, it just, it kind of sucks in a way because I know that the bow hunting is much better, you know, four or five hours from here. So I feel like I'm kind of limited, but I still do it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like what you said about the loud days though, because for me, I'm kind of, in a similar boat too, where I'd prefer to hunt a day that is loud and I can hear more than Mm. a day where I can't hear anything. I mean, not to say that both don't have their advantages and disadvantages, but Mm -hmm. I'm also in the same boat where I like to move, listen, move, listen, and kind of, uh, to your point too, about prime time, (laughs) Another joke that Jake and I started making up several years ago is like, well, they're moving. We might as well be too. And that's it. Per- yeah. it. It is crazy. Like <laughs> how much you can get away with when deer are on their feet, they become so vulnerable. And if you get the practice to be able to move with them, you can definitely do it even when it seems like you should. And especially if you've only been a stationary hunter for a certain point of or percentage of your career it's like if all of a sudden you start moving you're like man i'm getting away with stuff that i never thought that i should be able to and it it just is definitely true like and it's funny we were watching my girlfriend and i we were watching a video the other day where they were hunting out of a box blind and they were showing all this footage of the deer chasing does and pushing each other around it's like see that's something that I would be in there. Like I would be right in that oh, yeah. action because it's like, you know, versus sitting back and waiting. But anyway, that's a whole, that's a whole yeah. tangent we could go down as well. <laughs> yeah, I have a funny, I have a funny story about the whole bow hunting thing. So like back when you guys started, 
like I want to say like 2017, 2016, that area, I was kind of in a funny place with my bow hunting. You know, I felt like I had to do it a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first few videos I saw of you guys were the buck nest videos yeah. where you're in a ghillie suit and you know, you're just like on the ground, like, <laughs> and I'm like, that gave me so much confidence. I'm like, Oh my gosh, the way I was doing it when I was 12, 13, 14 years old, I was right. I was on to something, but it's yeah. like all the media that I was seeing yeah. was like, you're wrong. You need to be in a tree 35 feet high. Yeah. You need to be wearing scent lock, you know, and like everything. So I just, I wanted to bring that up. I didn't know if I was going to get the chance to or not during the podcast, but you guys gave me all the, all the confidence in the world that, okay, this does work. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I think that, uh, that's kind of always something that has bothered me because when I was younger, I got caught up and there was a, there's a window there that I look back on of hunting with my buddy, Ben, that it just pains me to think how much we got caught up in the wrong stuff, you know? And I think that honestly drives me every day. It drives me every day to have a conversation with a guy like you that lives in Vermont or a guy that lives in Georgia or a guy that lives, you know, in Virginia and in doing things or focusing on, you know, what those guys are doing and try to go there myself throughout the season too, because all of hunting media just comes from the same type of stuff. It's like farm country, broken habitat. And it just, you know, I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm beating a dead horse talking about it, but it, it's also why I don't live in Iowa anymore. And one of the reasons I don't live in Iowa anymore, it's like, I don't want to be limited to only doing those things because it doesn't relate to everybody. And I mean, even the stuff that I can do in one part of one state, I can't do it in a different part of a state. So I think just, you know, continuing to move around and check out different stuff helps, you know, myself understand different situations as well as, you know, hopefully give, other people confidence to just like think outside of the box and and also recognize that hunting media is kind of bogus and in that way that it's all coming from the same thing you know it it is and and when i was younger when i'm like the most i don't know the word i'm I'm trying to malleable i guess like when i'm like when i'm like perceiving how i should be doing things you know at that age that's all i had you know, and that's why I got that. You know, I feel bad almost for guys that are like 10 or 20 years older than me because that's all they had and there was no change. Mm-hmm. But when I turned like 20 years old, you guys come out here and you start sticking deer on the ground in a ghillie suit with the bow <laughs> on YouTube. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, all right, it can be done, you know? So, yeah. you know, you, you guys are <clears throat> doing a cool thing for sure. Well, thank you. So, yeah. well, and you are as well because you're yeah. doing – you're doing what I keep attempting to do and keep thinking that uh, I just, you know, want to continue to get reps doing is, is the tracking thing and just mm. hunting in that area in general, big timber stuff in general. If there's solid timber, I'm, I'm attracted to it. I just think it's yeah. super fun and probably similar to the way you feel as well because when you hit that stride and you start figuring things out and you chip away at little things, it's like, man, I want to go test that theory again, test that theory again. And, you know, just seeing the success that you have and Connor has and, you know, Mm -hmm. anybody else that, you know, puts any content out there in the Northeast or Southeast or whatever, I just become super obsessed with 
paying attention to it because there's just so many differences and there's so many little things I feel like left to learn and Mm. just talk about and experience. And I just am pretty obsessed with it, but tell me a little bit about like pre snow. Tell me what, what your strategy is for pre snow, because I, you know, I feel like that's the part that having never stepped foot in, you know, like the Northeast specifically, it's just kind of always makes me curious. I always like hearing that aspect of it as well. So if, if I was to give anybody advice for coming up into the Northeast on bare ground, I would say get into the mountains um, because the deer are much more predictable in the mountains than they are, let's say, uh, in more of a, like a rolly hill or a just flat country. That stuff on bare ground, it is so hard because the deer, the habitat is kind of all the same, you know, and without snow, you really cannot figure deer out much. But what, mm-hmm. in the mountains, in the mountains, you know, okay, the bucks are either in the bottoms, in the swamps, or they're on, on the top in the spruce, or, you know, somewhere close to those two, you know, usually the whole middle section of the mountain, there's usually not much, you know, unless there's some kind of like cliffy type stuff, then you'll find deer in there too. But I'd say bare ground Northeast, get into the mountains, get, get high in those mountains, you know, look for fresh buck sign. And, and I try to put on, you know, an average day for me in the mountains is usually around eight miles. If I can do 10, 12, that's great. But um, you've got to put the miles away because, you know, if you're not, you're just hurting yourself. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not going slow at all either. I, I'm like briskly walking is like the best way I can describe it. You know, and if I jump up a buck and see him and shoot him, that's great. But I, I'm usually, to be honest with you, I'm just getting in shape for when the snow flies. That's really what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. So, I think, uh, yeah. I think that that like not, going slow is something that I've definitely messed around with more and more like this season even I was in Indiana and I made a couple videos out of that and kind of my mission there was do exactly what you just said and honestly I'm not sure if it was you or if it was somebody else but I was watching a video and I was in New York and and you might be able to tell me if it was you or well you probably will be able to tell me if it was you or not I watched this video when I was in New York and it was the the like phrase that stuck with me was the guy that covers the most ground sees the most deer. Was that you or was that, am I thinking of something else? I mean, I've definitely said that. I don't know if I've said it in a video, but that's a, that's a Lanny Benoit quote. Okay. It's it's a famous. Yeah. And who knows, who knows whose video it was. So I'm, I apologize for not giving the credit that I should be, but I was like, man, especially when hunting with a gun, which is mm-hmm. totally different than hunting with a bow. Like, why would that not be true? Because mm-hmm. there's been so many situations, even in, in, and I talk about Ohio some, but you know, and, and for somebody in the Northeast, they may think like, oh, that's not, that's not the same, but there's areas that are similar where it's just big stands of timber in Indiana, same deal, big stands of timber, a lot of hills. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when you go to those areas and you have a gun, you have a lot of public land to work with to where you're not necessarily going to bump a deer and him go off of public land. Why wouldn't that be your strategy? And I kind of just like let that 
kind of soak in this season and just tried to take that approach for all of the gun hunting that I did, which was only in New York, Mm -hmm. Indiana and Ohio. But regardless, that was my approach the whole time. And man, it was like, that, that, that just seems like the answer mostly because even if you do bump one for one, you have a chance of shooting them and two and two, like now you're in the game. Now you know where he is where before you didn't even know where he was. And actually one of the bucks that I shot in Ohio, my friend Ben and I, this was a couple of years ago, but we bumped him and then we shot him later that day. Had we not bumped him, had we not been careless, we'd have never even known he was there and we would have not been in the game. We'd probably saw nothing and just been sitting there wondering what if, you know? So I guess I'm all for the, the moving fast, especially if you have a gun, but yep. No, for sure. I have a quick little story about the bump in a buck, right? So I saw this, uh, I was in New Hampshire, I think it was like 2019, 2020 first snow we had, it was like, I think it was Halloween, October 31st. And I'm going to try to boil this story down, kind of make it quick, but I, I bumped. You can tell as many details as you want. I'm in, I'm in. I love stories. That's one of the things that as many stories as you got, I want to hear them. Okay. So this day was on snow, but what I took out of this interaction with this buck could be used for bare ground. So I'm up on this ridge and there's this big, huge buck track all over the place, banging up big, huge trees, like thigh size trees. I'm like, Oh boy, a big old buck in here. Right. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of the freshest track I could find from him, he was headed down into the swamp. And I was like, you know, I'm going to swing up on top and see if he came back up after, you know, because a lot of times they'll come down at night and they'll kind of do a swing or whatever around houses, around swamps, whatever. And then they'll head back up at night. So I swung up on the mountain and sure enough, I kind of got on this runway, which looked like his track was on kind of headed like, let's say South. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to head South on this track and I'm going South and I come down over this knob and I look and I just see this big old rack down like 150 200 yards down and below me and it's muzzleloader season so i pull up and i you know i see the rack and he kind of the buck takes down off over the bank i'm like what the heck and he was kind of like quartering to me the way he ran and i'm trying to figure it out I'm like oh you know i get on the radio because uh my father-in-law and one of my buddies was on this mountain with me i'm like boys saw a big buck he headed northwest whatever you know i'm gonna go down and investigate you know, see what's going on. Justin, my father-in-law, he goes, well, I'm coming up over this ledge by a swamp and I'm looking and the swamp's kind of off to my left and the big buck was to the right of the swamp. Well, what happened was is Justin came up through that buck saw Justin and I just happened to catch the buck standing up and running away from Justin. That's crazy. So I, so I come down and I meet Justin about 30 yards below the buck bed. I pull out a sandwich I start eating the sandwich. I'm talking to Justin. I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, and I didn't know this at the time yet either. I thought I jumped the buck. I'm talking to Justin. I'm like, man, he was a you know really good buck, like 130 inch buck. And uh, all of a sudden I look up and from where the buck ran, he came back to his bed because Justin never saw the buck. Mm-hmm. Justin was just walking through that swamp and he was going to continue going out through. Right. So this all of this kind of happened and it was so special the way it happened because I got to see that buck get up, run down over the bank, waited a half an hour and he came back up because evidently he really loved his bet. Mm-hmm. 
he was like, man, I got, I got the best bed, you know? So he thought, okay, I got out of there. The guy walked by, come back. So anyways, I take a shot at the buck. I hit some beach whips. I didn't get them. <laughs> uh, ended up chasing them for the rest of the day with no avail. And I'm actually still after that buck to this day, actually. So he's no still good. kicking. He's yeah. still kicking. But that taught me a lot right there. And that's if, if you're on bare ground and you're kind of working your way through a piece of woods and you see a buck get up and run, it might be a really good idea to go sit on his bed for a half an hour. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if he if he really likes where where he's at and he doesn't feel too threatened, he might come right back like like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? it's so crazy. Just... I've I've heard of guys doing that a lot actually. Um, really? The uh, I believe it the Dequistos the Andre Dequisto the uh, guy that started Lone Wolf. He talks yep. about doing um, bump and dump quite a bit. Yep, and. I believe that one of the things that his strategy or one of his strategies specifically is that he goes and sets up right over where he jumped them sometimes mm-hmm. day of. And yeah, I've never done it day of. I've actually, I, I guess I've considered, I consider myself having effectively pulled off bump and dump multiple times, but never day of mm-hmm. other than that one in Ohio. But that was in a different location. That was like swinging around him and catching him kind of, you know, working out of a different bedding area, but right. day of, I've heard of it happen and I've never seen it personally, but I know it does. It just seems hard, like hard to commit to, you know? So, yeah. but to your point, the one thing that kind of always strikes me is like you said, he's got that good bed. He likes that. Mm-hmm. My thought always is as well, if it worked, it worked success, yeah. right? And in his mind, it's like, well, I avoided danger. So, yep. I don't know. Maybe so, he just watches that and then he's like, I'm good to go. Slides right back in. And, and, but I think I have to make the distinction here that if you're tracking a buck and you, ju- and you're on his track and you jump him, he's not coming back. Yeah. He, yeah. he, know, he, he, he knows he's being hunted. Mm-hmm. You know, usually they're watching their track. They're looking mm-hmm. right down them. Yep. But now that situation with my father-in-law, you know, I just, it was so rare that I got to see it. Justin was walking through that swamp below him. See, and that's where I think bare ground, this could be so killer because if you're just coming along, you're not probably going to be on the buck's track. No, no. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. especially on bare ground, early season, whatever, low pressure, you jump him, he might come back. But, you know, I wouldn't do that tracking. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's still something to put. I mean, even if you're bow hunting, even if you're, you know, coming back a different day, even, I mean, the, in some of the examples that I have, we've bumped them straight out of a thick bedding area. Then we come back, you know, a couple of days later, and then boom, he's right back in there. And I feel like that's definitely that. For some reason, I feel a little bit more confident in that always, just because it's like, okay, I'm gonna kind of let things settle back down, slide in there. He's not gonna expect it. It worked last time. He's probably gonna come right back. And so when I've done it, it's been that way, but. Um, yeah, I mean, who's to say that they're not coming right back today? I just think that, you know, and and in that example that I was talking about during the gun season in Ohio, that buck, while we didn't shoot him right in the same spot, he wasn't very far. I think we figured based off of where he came from, I guess based off where we bumped him towards where we thought he stopped and then where 
you know, we caught him coming from, he probably only went 350 yards. He basically just went off one ridge, went to another ridge. It was pretty much similar. He could still get the wind in his favor or so yep. he thought. And then, you know, we just caught him making a little move feeding on acorns coming off that. But it's just, I don't know. So, so, I mean, it's so similar to just hunting media in general. It's like, well, you bump the buck, it's the end of the world. It's like, well, yeah, not necessarily. No, <laughs> no it's I a mean, really good thing. Yeah. Now, you know, he's alive, you know, so, he's alive and you know, he's there. Do you have any more good stories of either success or lessons learned anything from hunting early season like that earlier before the snow? Hmm. So my, my biggest Vermont buck, I've ever shot that was on just a crispy layer of like like glass ice over it so you couldn't track on it there there was no tracks to be made it was just like I'm talking you could drop a pin and hear it from 200 yards away and you know I get up on this big ridge system <clears throat> ridge system I really like to hunt and uh I'd probably done four or five miles just motoring you know my hat's off I'm sweating I'm just moving. I'm looking for some fresh sign, you know, because in that country, when you find fresh sign, it jumps out at you. Like you wouldn't believe because there's really, there's not a whole lot of sign. And I'm coming up, I come up through this big notch and there's a beaver pond. And all of a sudden on this old logging road, there's a fresh scrape. I'm like, Oh, that's, that's pretty good. You know? So I, I go like another hundred yards and there's another fresh scrape. I'm like, Oh, this is really good. Like this is today. So I'm like, Hmm. I'm going to stand right in this scrape for like five minutes. So I stood right there and all of a sudden down below me, I hear something coming and this doe pops out. And then right behind there's this big old buck and I'm, Oh my gosh. So I, you know, I pull up on him. It was probably like a hundred, 150 yard shot. Um, I could have shot him there, but he was quartering to me coming up the ridge. So I just waited and he ended up popping out of the beach brush at like 40 yards and I smoked him. <laughs> He died right at my feet. It was, uh, it was, it was awesome. It's actually this, this deer right here. With the drop and, tine. Uh, yeah, big old drop tine. Yep. <laughs> That's uh, sweet. That's yeah, awesome. he dressed up. He dressed out at two o five. Um, yeah, I'm pr- I'm proud of him. Uh, Two hundred pounders come hard in Vermont. Oh yeah. Man. Oh yeah. Anywhere really. I mean. Oh yeah. Honestly, they're they're a two hundred pound buck is a big ass deer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was a big deer. It, it took us a long time to get him out of there. <laughs> That was before Onyx, so I didn't know, but I could have drug him, like, <laughs> the total other way than what I did. Like, this is back when, like, dude, I, for years, I've been using, like, you know, on your iPhone, you can look, like, your directions, you, like, click the thing. Yeah. It's, like, basically Google Earth. Mm-hmm. I used to use that for years, mm-hmm. like, before oh, yeah. Onyx, and I, I remember clicking it, looking, I'm like, well, I can come back the way I came, and it was, like, three miles straight line. So I, you know, called up the boys, you know, the whole cavalry shows up, (laughs) but we dragging up, drug the hide right off that deer. But that's hilarious. Yeah. We, uh, before, before we had iPhones or cell phones or, you know, I guess smartphones, which was not as long ago as you would think. Cause I think I got my first one when I moved to Iowa in 2015, me and my friend Ben, we would print off like um pretty much google earth screenshots and put them into a a binder or something and it was like we'd write notes and stuff in there it was so hilarious and it's it's crazy because at the time 
Onyx was already a thing. I mean, literally, people were showing it to us, and we're like, oh, dude, that's insane that you can see, all, you know, property owners and all that. And it's like, here, we're just, like, going into the middle of the forest. That's all, you know, these huge chunks of public land where you're not necessarily worried about boundaries, but it's like, we're taking these screenshots from the map and just being like, okay, I think we're on this ridge. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so hilarious to think that we used to do that and like how truly pathetic that is compared to what our abilities are now, where you can just tell exactly where you're at and then be like, well, this is only this far to here and here and here. And it's just like, I don't know, totally different than what it was not even that long ago. <laughs> it boosts your woodsmanship like 1 million points. Oh yeah. It's unreal. You know, it, for the better and for the worse. Oh yeah. You know, like, you know but I, I, I'm sure yeah. you, I'm sure you've seen it, but yeah. When you, and you like kind of battle all the time with yourself of like, you know, what would it be like if nobody had this, you know, back before, mm-hmm. you know, like our dad's generations or grandpa's and mm-hmm. it's like thinking about, you know, how much different it was and how much, easier it was to get out of your comfort zone because now like what what is a comfort zone even like i mean when cell you know, phone service yeah i mean or a cell downloaded map i mean or a yeah. downloaded yeah. map it's like hell if i got a downloaded yeah. map i don't even need service it's like i'm fine yeah you know even in yeah. a lot of the elk hunting stuff we do it's like that's not even that i don't know it, it yeah it's far yeah it's way more numbers from the road but like I still know exactly where I'm at, you know, and I yeah. don't know, it's just crazy to think how much different that is. And I really think about it in timber settings where, whether that's the East or the West, when you're in the timber and you can only see, you know, however far away from you. And it's like, if you're relying on a compass and, uh, you know, paper map, it'd be a, a hell of a lot different. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why those guys back in the day, like, like Lanny Benoit, for an example. I don't know if you've heard of him. I've dude, heard of him for sure. Absolute legend. Uh, Larry Benoit's oldest son. And, I, you know, I've gotten the privilege to talk to him a couple times. And the stories, like you wouldn't believe, like he would have no compass, no map. Just set out through the woods in northern Maine. And he'd come out like 15 miles away on a different road system. And somebody would pick him up and they'd be like, are you lost? And he's like, no, I came from such and such a town. They're like, oh, you're lost, dude. Like, that's like an hour and a half drive. (laughs) He's like, no, I knew I'd get through eventually, you know. And it's just crazy to think, you know, like those guys were nuts. Yeah. I mean, but it kind of makes, yeah, it kind of makes me a little like in a way like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if jealous is the word, but it's like. We'll never be, we'll never have the ability. We can't be that. We literally can't be that fearless because we have the resources. I mean, we could, I I suppose, if we just throw our phone in the trash, but it's like, yeah, we just threw our phone away and we just went out here. (laughs) Maybe it'd make for a good video. It probably would. It probably would. Adirondack, high peaks, no phone. Yeah. Hunting hunting without our map. Yeah. So you said something earlier in that story that I thought was pretty interesting. You saw those two scrapes back to back and then you just hung mm-hmm. out there and yeah. it didn't take long, but boom, no. it seems to me like a lot of successful hunts that I have, or my friends have, there's a lot of common themes there that are very similar to what you just said, where it's like, boom, that sign is from here or from today. And it's mm-hmm. like, 
there's so much value in that. And I think back to the times when I was younger and I would see that stuff and I would just keep on going just so mm-hmm. many times it just keep on moving. But are there other examples that you have where you found smoking hot sign like that other than a track, but like super hot sign and, and seeing action right after it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Plenty of times, especially on bare ground, you know, and, and they weren't always, you know, the biggest of bucks, you know, but, um, definitely bare ground, putting the miles away and then come into a bunch of green rubs and you hang out and boom, there he is. Because I mean, I see it on snow all the time. You take a buck track for 10 miles and then it'll come into a pocket of deer. And there's like three does, a big buck and a little buck. And they're on the same little shelf on a mountain. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like if you if you're going all this if you're covering all this ground on bare ground and then you come into a couple of green rubs, well, chances are they're like right there. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think it's sometimes it's easy to over overlook. You know, yeah. Well, and it's I think sometimes you get there, and I mean honestly, I I use this term a lot is the hunter doubt living with the doubt, you know, when you, when you're mm-hmm. young and you're inexperienced, you see that fresh sign, you're like, you can maybe even tell that, okay, this is fresh. Maybe you don't know yet that that was from today or yesterday or whatever. Maybe you can't differentiate, you know, one day to four days yet, but you can tell that it's hot. And instead mm-hmm. of like what I, what I call the hunter doubt, when that sets in, you stand there and you're like, ah, you know, yeah, this is nice, but who knows what else is out there? And then you start doubting it and then you move too fast or too far or whatever. And you make some sort of mistake. And that goes for, I mean, anything like the, the, the most classic hunter doubt is you hear a turkey walking in the leaves behind you, but he didn't gobble. So you start to doubt it. And then all of a sudden, putt, putt, boom, he's gone. Like it's such a classic tale of doubting it, you know? So I think when, especially in a situation like Vermont, where you're dealing with low deer densities. Mm-hmm. If you got low deer densities and you see fresh sign like that, just chilling out ain't a bad idea. You know, listening a little bit harder, a little bit extra, giving it a little bit more time is never a bad move. Yeah, just just hang out because it's it's real easy for me to just grass is always greener on the other ridge. Oh, you know, dude. just keep going, keep going, keep going. And you know, when we get more into the tracking side of things, I'll kind of explain the way the ways that I kind of get around, you know, my, my mind, the way I want to always just be moving and moving. But when it's bare ground, the, the few times that I do have bare ground to hunt, because honestly, I usually can find snow and I'll travel three and a half hours from my house and then drive home that night. Just if I can hunt on snow, it's mm-hmm. that much better. But when it is bare ground and the whole Northeast is bare ground, if you come into that hot sign, you gotta just hang out and even if it's like take a step every five minutes you know Mm. which is you know pretty painful for me and i'm sure you but you know i very rarely will just like sit down you know i can't do it but like just like i said with that my biggest vermont buck i just stood in that scrape you know for five minutes that's all it took if i would have kept going i would have blown the i would have blown those deer right over that mountain you know and, and never seen them again but yeah sometimes that's all it takes you just gotta calm your mind like that's what i try to think because you know i get so like adrenaline everything you know and then 
I just have to like talk to myself, like just calm down for a minute, hang out. You know, you've just walked 10 miles and this is the first green rub you've seen. But yeah, I have to like, I have to like go through it. I'm like, he's probably right here, you know, but dude, I actually, it's funny. Cause I go, I go back and forth, like kind of both ways where it's like, sometimes I feel like I'm being too timid and I have these like certain memories or like examples in certain places that I'm like, man, should have been way more aggressive. And then on the other hand, I have the examples where I'm like, man, you should have just pumped the brakes right there and been okay with just giving it a morning, giving it an evening even. Like, for example, where I struggle and kind of both sides of that, I suppose. I use two specific examples. If I'm bow hunting, for example, in during the rut and I'm finding all of a sudden just like these big community scrapes, like bang, 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 and it's they're smoking hot. Deep down, I really want to keep going. I'm like, I'm going to go find him. Well, I'll go find him with a doe or something. It'll be way better. And yeah, it probably would be. But also, there's probably a pretty damn good chance he's coming right back to this spot or another buck's coming back to this spot and that may lead me to the next step it may lead me to okay i shoot something right here or it may lead me to the next step because mm-hmm. i follow the next buck that comes through or something but there's a lot of times where i'll just keep moving and then same deal that you just said like you just blow them right out of there yeah and then on the other hand there's times where i start tiptoeing too much and it's like mm-hmm. It doesn't happen overnight where it goes from one extreme to another, but it's slowly, there's just like, you mess, you mess it up doing one thing too many times. And then you're just like, you, I don't know, you get hung up and then you get hung up the other way. And it's like always mm-hmm. a back and forth for me because my thought is I'm always going to find him. I'm just going to go find him. And like, yeah, a lot of times that does work, but not always. And it's just a balance. I think it's, it's a tough mm-hmm. call. It's definitely a tough call, but I guess we should just get on the topic of snow. I believe, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, snow kind of gives you the ability to let go of that a little bit more even. Now, at least it does for me. When I go to snow, it's like, well, all bets are off. Like I can I can on purpose bump one now because I'm mm-hmm. just going to go follow him. It's kind of easy now. I mean, I shouldn't say it's easy, but it's, yep. but it's easier to convince yourself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's definitely real easy when it's a big old track. Cause if it's a big old track, it's real easy to follow them. Oh yeah. You know, if it's the in-betweener track, which I mean, I've hunted deer, I've hunted deer in Vermont that were well over 140 inches and it looked like a spike horn track. So it's not always about the foot, but mm-hmm. you know, it is really easy when you get on a four finger humdinger yeah. buck track. Which I've actually yeah. truly never been on one of those yet when it's the one yeah, i'm no. probably gonna be freaking out <laughs> oh it's so it's so much fun i mean i'll go all year and i'll i'll be lucky if i find one giant four finger lay your hand down in a track but like the mountains weed out so many people that's the funny thing like you know i'll do videos and stuff guys will be like oh you just spoiling it all like if people are gonna come start come track and blah, blah. it's like no it's gonna be the one percent of guys that are actually going to do this and be successful at it. Yeah. You know, kicks your ass a few times and then you're like, do I really want to get up and walk out there again tomorrow? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, I mean, yeah. whether that's, you know, I mean, it could be turkeys for that matter. It's, it's just a, yeah. there's a certain 
there's a certain level of commitment that you got to be doing to do these things and I'll go insane man like I literally will start going insane when it's just like you're banging your head against the wall you're like what am I doing wrong I don't even really know I think I'm doing things right but how do I how do I break from that and I think something else that's a struggle in itself is like making a mistake and then not making the same mistake over and over again like mm-hmm. something that I was having hunting big woods personally that was a struggle of mine was doing the same thing over and over again and then just expecting a different result until finally it's like okay I got to start to break down the mistake before I can break down the solution mm-hmm. and once I did that it definitely helped move some things around a little bit I helped I mean this whole if you watch that Indiana video or one of those that first Indiana video I talked a lot about at the end this idea of like coming in at the side hill and I talk mm-hmm. about in the video a lot that I've done that, but I didn't necessarily know how it was a, or why it was being, why I was effective doing it necessarily, if that makes sense. And it's just like mm-hmm. how I got there though, was going back and breaking down the mistake, not trying mm-hmm. to go straight to the solution. And I think that weeds out a lot of people as well. You got to want to fix the problem. You can't just, you know, the definition of insanity, right? You just keep doing the same thing over and over again. But uh, one thing I'd like to say about the Northeast, um, a lot of these bucks that I'm hunting are so random. They're so random. So what I like to do is when I'm like going to look for a buck track, I'm going to like hunt. Like basically it's rare that I hunt the same two ridges twice in a whole year. You know, maybe if I'm on just like an absolute giant and the conditions are good, maybe I'll go back, but I'm just as random as the deer. And I seem to have a lot of success doing that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, this ridge looks good. I'm going to go hit that ridge. I've never even hunted this county before. Go there. Boom. I have no preconceived notions of what the deer do, because to be honest with you, I don't think the deer know what they're going to do up -hmm. in this country. They really don't. They just get up and walk and they just follow their nose and that's, that's just what they do. So, you know, I think that could help out a lot of people is, is don't try to, don't try to hunt the same mountain every day. Don't try to hunt the same County every day. You know, if you can afford to, to drive, drive, yep. you know, if it looks, if it looks really cool from the road, chances are there's probably something big up in there, you yeah. know, that's it's that simple. Yeah, man. That's a good tip for anywhere in the country though, because I'll tell you, that's one of the things that I get struggling with myself. And it's like, until you have that wave of success, it's like, okay, here, I'll use a quick example. We do uh, a group hunt every year with muzzleloaders where we do deer drives. And it's like so fun, but it's also like can be the same way as any hunting. You have a couple days of seeing nothing and you're just like, dude, what are we doing wrong? To go to somewhere unfamiliar when you're not doing well is really hard. But then as soon as you have a wave of success, as soon as you just see one, as soon as you just see a shooter buck, it's like, Oh, we can do any, you know, like your confidence just goes through the roof. And if you can remember that, even when your confidence is really low, I think that really would help too. I just literally just felt that switch of emotion of not confident to confident, just based off of a couple encounters. And it's crazy how much that helps me and I just will definitely get hung up, especially again, if, if things aren't going well. So I like that Mm -hmm. tip, 
need to maybe write that down on like a like a notebook in my truck or something <laughs> just to look at like <laughs> don't get too caught yeah. up in the same thing yeah yeah for sure man and don't and what i like to do too is i like to find joy it's kind of a funny way to say it but find joy in hunting not just by seeing or killing deer because in these mountains in the northeast you've really got to love to just be out there mm-hmm. because a lot of days you know you're gonna not wind up dragging a buck off that hill like every day okay i'm getting really good exercise no gym membership right you know really good exercise fresh air i don't have to be at work you know so like i don't know i just i i try to look at those things too just to keep myself in a positive mindset you know it is it is about killing the deer it is about seeing the deer but i try to just make sure i'm having fun enjoy it well and and it's like I think one of the things that plays into that too, that I have noticed as well is once I just make the commitment, even if it's hard, if it's hard to break from, you know, that one, that one area, you know, that you saw a bunch of good sign, as soon as you break from it, it's like, oh yeah, I am hunting. I do love this. It doesn't really matter what happens today. It doesn't. And that goes back to even, you know, pump the brakes or keep going. Right. What I've convinced myself on the days where I pump the brakes is even if I don't see anything tomorrow, I can go over there. It's fine, Mm -hmm. dude. Chill out. But then you get this like anxiety build up where you're just like, "Ah, what if, what if, what if? And like when you start doing that, you're just spiraling out of control and it's not a good feeling. But I do it a lot. I mean, Mm -hmm. I do it. I do it a lot. (laughs) But Oh, yeah. I I do it. I do it a lot, too, because I'm on limited time. Yeah. I I had four days off from work last fall. And then weekends, you know what I mean? So like on my Saturdays and Sundays, I'm like, like going nuts, Mm -hmm. you know, because I feel like, you know, I have to put all my eggs in this Saturday's basket. (laughs) And it's like, if I don't kill them today, I'm screwed and I'm at work, you know, but you know, but it is easy to, to get worked up. You know, it's, I just, the best, the best hunts I've ever had in my life, the, the biggest bucks I've ever killed. If there's one thing that's always been the same with all those days is I was having a damn good time. <laughs> yeah, dude. Always. Always. Uh-huh. You know, so that's awesome. So tell me some tell me some of your more specific strategy of your tracking and you know, mm. just some of the things that pop up in your mind. I mean, I feel like there's questions that I have, but those will come along when you tell stories or you okay. know, specifics as well. So I'm, I'm interested in anything and everything you got to, got to say about it. Okay. So one thing that, you know, I like to, to hit on with my style of tracking. Now my style of tracking isn't the same as, you know, maybe everybody else's or other big named, you know, guys that write books or whatever, but this is what I've found. This is what I've found. You know, I'm not saying it's the right way. I'm not saying whatever. I just like to say that. But um, when I get on a buck track, and he's lining out for a long ways and I come into a barnyard situation. Okay. Mm-hmm. When I come into, and, and for your listeners, a barnyard situation, this might be kind of a Northeastern term. I'll break that down a little bit. It's where you come into an area that's so tracked up. It literally looks like it's a barnyard. So, you know, you've been on the buck track two or three miles. It's only just been that one track. You come into a barnyard. I think where a lot of guys go wrong is they put their head right to the ground and they try to figure out the track. 
I've had a lot of success coming into a barnyard. I pump the brakes. I say, okay, I have arrived. This is the destination. Mm-hmm. I pick my head up. I start scanning and I start coming through that barnyard just as slow as can be. Because a lot of times I've had, I've killed a lot of bucks doing this. You're there when you, when you come into the barnyard, I mean, there's either one of two things are going to happen. You're either going to see the buck and shoot him, or he's not going to be in the barnyard and it's old and that's it. I mean, there's really nothing yeah. to, to lose. I mean, but I think a lot of people, they'll come into that situation and they try to sort tracks with their head straight down, you know? And I did that a lot when I was younger, but until I started to figure out, I'm like, man, coming to this barnyard i I don't need to track anymore i'm here Mm -hmm. and it all goes back to that so it all goes back to that fresh fresh sign Mm -hmm. yeah i like that i made a mistake doing that with brett last year when i was in new york i was tracking along and basically right out of the gate we were down low we started finding all these um basically a barnyard track buck tracks or big buck tracks in the barnyard and i was doing the same thing i just kept spinning in circles and it's like oh there's a big sign oh there's this oh look at this big track and you track it for a little bit and then next thing you know you're like we've burnt two hours doing this and he told me that we were kind of doing that and he's like we should probably just do something else and like kind of get up and move out of here and try to find where they're actually going up versus hanging out down here at night because we also weren't seeing any deer it wasn't like we were bumping them necessarily. Maybe we were and we weren't seeing them. I guess now, too, hearing that from you, that makes me kind of have a, two different plays now. I guess coming from an inexperienced tracker. Okay, so I've got one play being what Brett and I eventually did was hit it and pull out and just go keep climbing, expecting them to be bedded higher up, at least, you know, the bucks. Or the other option would be to just pump the brakes and just kind of still hunt your way through it depending maybe on where that is in the terrain like in this specific example it was way way low which maybe they were around there i don't know but you know we did track end up tracking deer up higher can't ever really confirm if there were bucks or does never saw them but kind of seemed like there was a buck in there but regardless we were we were spending way too much time down low just putting exactly what you said putting her head down and just walking in circles and that was a looking back on it it's like yeah that's a total waste of time you're never gonna sort them out of that no no you're never gonna sort that out because you know they'll make i mean imagine a buck running a doe that's usually the situation that's what a barnyard is Mm -hmm. i've also seen where two bucks come together and they fight and it makes a freaking like 100 yard by 100 yard swath of like so many buck tracks you could literally spend the next week there and never figure out which way they went mm-hmm. and you know but you get a hot dough you could be 100 yards off the road yeah they're they're right there mm-hmm. you know but it, it it's funny because like we had the conversation about bare ground it's like you go all this all this you cover all this ground and then you find a couple fresh rubs or a couple fresh scrapes and it's like boop there the deer are yep. well it's the same thing with it's the same thing with tracking in my mind, you know, there, there's a, there's some guys that'll tell you when you come to the barnyard, you cut a big loop and you try to find where the deer are coming out. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's wrong, but you know, I think you should give yourself a chance and just, just pick your head up and still hunt your way through that barnyard because he could be laying right there with that hot dog. Mm-hmm. It might be a good opportunity too to incorporate some calling. Maybe you grunt, maybe you rattle. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I, I wear grunt tubes out tracking. 
I really oh, do, yeah. especially on especially on crunchy snow. Mm-hmm. I, the the biggest buck I ever shot uh, tracking, I grunted back on crunchy snow, and that, that was in Massachusetts. Yep. Tell yep, that Mass- full story. Okay, so um, that morning uh, it was Christmas Eve, so my boss gave me the day off. It was Friday, uh, and we headed down to Massachusetts, and we had a spot picked on the map, and we get up in this spot it was quick question quick question so when you pick this spot on the map what are some of the details that were like okay this is it honestly i'm it was like a the old dart at the at the board you know that's you know down in massachusetts there's not a ton of land so it's like kind of just like well we've never been there before let's try there so uh, it was nate connor and myself it was three of us. We all get in this area. We all do like a two mile loop. And we figured we came to the conclusion that there was just nothing going on in this area. So we regrouped in the truck. It only took us like an hour to do that loop. So we get back to the truck and we're like looking at our maps and we're trying to come up with something. I was like, well, you know, what about this spot right here? It was kind of like an hour south. You know, it's like nine o'clock. Yeah, yeah let's try it. So we sent it and we went right down the road and we got to this next spot and, you know, we parked the truck and we're headed up in the woods and, and Nate caught up on the mountain first. So it was just Connor and I heading out through and we stumble across this rub like this, you know, like something that you just dream about. Right. And I'm like, Oh my God, you know, there's a big old buck in here somewhere. And so Connor cuts up on the Ridge and I kept on heading out and I'm heading out and I start swinging up on the mountain and, and I hear some deer take off and I hadn't cut any tracks. Let me, I, I didn't really say this either. There was fresh two inches of absolute crap snow, crunchy, loud, awful. So I hadn't cut any tracks, probably a couple, two or three miles out on this ridge, but I hear some deer take off in front of me. So I go up and investigate and it looks like two or three does and a buck. The buck track wasn't like, Oh my God, look at the size of this track. But I could tell right away. And, you know, I've looked at enough of them now that I can kind of start to tell, even if it's a smaller foot, I can tell when it's a, an older buck. And like mm-hmm. the biggest thing for me that I'm looking for is they'll turn their front feet out when they start doing this kind of, and it might be slight, you know, but when they start doing that, I don't know if it's arthritis or what it is. But it seems like those big ones, they start, let me, not big, but old, the old ones. That thing did that. The tiny little track. It was in a cornfield and it's like, that's a buck track, but it looks kind of small, but it was like super spread out. Like the, the ends of oh, so, the same. Okay. So he was splayed out. So yep. that, but also what I'm saying too, is when they actually put their feet down. Oh, I get you're saying. I see what you're saying they'll turn their foot out. And I think it has, I've heard a biologist, I'm pretty sure uh, say that it's something to do with their arthritis and their, their back starts to sag and their their front feet will start to do like that kind of thing. So I looked for that a lot. So I saw that and he was dragging his feet right on the two inches of snow, which is also a good sign of at least a tired buck, you Mm -hmm. know, because a little buck will drag his feet too, but you know, well, it's a tired buck. So, when those deer ran off, the does went one way and the buck went another. So that was another clue to me. I've seen a lot of uh, uh, bucks with does 
and it seems like smaller bucks will almost they'll hang with the does and they'll like run off with the whole group but the big ones they're getting out of there they like head off to some other place Mm -hmm. so i kind of you know i'm doing some investigating and i'm not like heading right off on this buck track because it's super crunchy and you know when you're tracking a buck if you jump them you have to give them time yeah because if you just run right after the buck you know what they do is they'll run like two three hundred yards they'll stop and they'll look back to see if you're coming just to, you know i think in their minds they're like oh is this just some random whatever coming through the woods or is this a something that wants to kill me basically mm-hmm. um so you know you have to give them time a lot of guys will say you know stop have a sandwich make a fire what i like to do is i'll let's say you know i jump a buck i can't stop the engine once it's turned on so I'll either do a big strategic like swing, like where I think that buck might head and I've killed bucks doing that. Or I'll go like, Oh, there's this big swamp down here. I'm going to go check this big swamp for signposts and I'll come back and, and, and get on his track because that way I'm keeping my gears turning. Mm-hmm. I'm not staying you know, warm. I'm staying warm. And I'm keeping, you know, and those big strategic swings. Like I have a story I can tell you after how I killed a big one doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it puts you in the game where it's like, if you're just to, if you're just to sit there after you jump them, you're kind of taking yourself out of the game. I love that. You know? Yeah. yeah so, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I jumped the buck and I was like, ah, I'm just going to follow these does for a little while. I followed them. They took me up on this knob. There's a couple rubs and stuff. I was like, okay, oh, I'm going to head back and get on that buck track. So I headed back, got on the buck track, and he was taking me up through this mountain like a big old buck will, just through the most prettiest spots. Like, you know, they, it's really fun following a big old buck because, you know, he's been there. That one, he'd been there for maybe eight, ten years. Yeah. You know, you know, something like that because mm-hmm. there's there's guys that have had pictures of that buck four or five years ago, and he, he was a big one then. So yeah. he was an old one. And uh, so I kind of geek out when I'm on a big buck track like that because they just show you the coolest things. So I'm heading up and every like 30 to 40 yards, I'd stop and I'd, I'd hit the grunt tube a few times, just bah, 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 you know, just like kind of like a, a walking grunt, you know, how mm-hmm. they grunt like little bah, 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 when they're walking. So, you know, every 30, 40 yards, I do that. And then I come up on this big saddle on top of the mountain and I hit the grunt tube again. And all of a sudden I hear something in front of me and I just see his rack coming right at me. Like, oh my gosh. So it's muzzleloader season. I click the old, I click the safety off on the muzzleloader and he's coming quartering to me. And I basically just yelled at him at like 30, 40 yards, boom, double lunged him. And, and he, he dropped right there. <laughs> it was like a, it was like a high double lung, like just below the spine. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I never actually hit the spine, but it, it dropped him. So, and it was, it was crazy. The whole thing's on YouTube. I got that yeah. on YouTube. I think I've watched that one. It's the one that's got this like super crazy mass, like all the way up through yep. his points and stuff, and maybe yeah, like kickers right. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's a good a one. Yeah, no, it was. I was freaking out big time when I shot him. I, it's the biggest buck I've ever seen, ever. Yeah, you know, and I I've been out to the Midwest hunting and stuff, but that was the biggest one I ever seen. So I was like losing my freaking mind. Like I had the <laughs> adrenaline dump like you freaking read about like heart was pounding you know so but um yeah that's awesome so i got one question about your um like keep it moving 
after you bump it. I've considered this. Now, I don't think this is every situation. So <clears throat> just hear me out on that to start. But I was talking to a guy um, recently, um, Chris Jenkins in Georgia. Do you know Chris? He came up turkey hunting with me last year. Nice. Last yeah. spring. Yeah. yeah, and I loved that conversation. But one yeah. of the things that he was talking about was um, bumping deer and just while they're running – him running after him. And I've always mm. considered that even in the tracking scene where mm. you're moving along and just that perfect opportunity. Now, again, I really want to hit that home. I don't think that that's every situation, but if it's a deal where you bump him at 30 yards and at 30 yards, he goes over the lip. Well, freaking yeah. run, you know, like I just, I like also just trying to always, Think of the complete opposite of the norm. If the norm is to always mm -hmm. bump him and just immediately sit down, well, how how can we do something different to give others a different option? Not necessarily to say that it's exclusive, but mm -hmm. just in some situations. Or, you know, there's also been the thought to me too, where it's like, well, okay, what if you're dealing with like a late season situation where mm -hmm. you're uh, hunting later into December, like some of those muzzleloader seasons allow you to? Let's say you're doing that and all of a sudden boom you bump one and you're fresh it's early in the day what if you just start just going at him just run i mean bump him again bump him two or three times see how many how see if you can tire him down you know i mean that's it's a yeah. just to throw out a different idea those are some of oh, the yeah. things that have come to my mind given the right situation i guess yeah and and there's guys that do that there's a guy out of maine uh his name's rick labby I don't know if you've heard of him. I've heard, he, I've heard the name okay. for sure. Dude is a killer. And I think he gets a lot of them that way. You know, it'll be like, a, it'll be like a two or three day pursue, but he'll, in, in, he just uh, was on the big woods bucks podcast. And mm -hmm. I think he used the, uh, the example he used was like almost, uh, I don't want to say it. Cause I don't know if it's right, but it's always like a, you know, he's like a bobcat. He just keeps, yeah keeps going and, and jumping that thing. And finally the buck is just like, what the heck are, what are you, you know, like what? But well, it's definitely, here, it's definitely doable. Here's one of the uh, examples that I have that kind of made me start thinking that, and that this is, this is always the fun thing to me about hunting different species is you can kind of go back and compare, but I was pronghorn hunting one time and I was with uh, that guy, Ethan Gooch, that was our intern for us that yep. season we were, we blew a stalk on a buck and we were coming back and way off in the distance, we saw this big string of pronghorn moving and we glassed them. And honestly, there was so much heat that we couldn't even tell what they were. Well, on our way back, we bumped into them, like just fat, smack face to face into these big group of uh, pronghorn bucks. And they took off and they ran off a little bit and pretty much immediately some of the smaller ones started bedding down. I'm like, what is that? Now, I think that you could use this in any situation with deer too, because it's, it's still kind of that same type of terrain. It just has no trees on it. So you can see a lot more. They all ran up and they laid down or not, I shouldn't say all of them, but some of them laid down. I'm like, man, that's weird. Like, what are they doing? And then single file one by one, they just started walking and they just started walking off and they were headed towards this huge saddle. And we just sat there and we watched them. They just kept walking and walking and walking. And finally it started kind of dawning on me. I'm like, I think we might've bumped them going somewhere 
obviously we bumped them going somewhere, but maybe that somewhere was water. And maybe they don't really want to leave, and that's why they're so reluctant to leave. Well, they walked way up and over that saddle, and as soon as they got over that saddle, we just took off and just cut the distance because my gut was telling me, well, they're just going to walk up and out of sight of where they just got spooked from and just lay down. And sure enough, that's what they did. And it put them in a, a bad spot for them. It made it a very stalkable position. And we ended up getting within 30 yards of the whole group of them. Now, that's kind of, you know, okay, so how do we relate that to tracking and big timber? Well, you know, if you catch one that's worn down from the rut or something, he may bump and be like, man, I just, you know, whatever. I'm probably fine. I'll just run over here. Not to say mm-hmm. that he's stupid, but it's just like, you know, if you catch them in that right mood, you never know. And mm-hmm. I think just keeping hard pressed on them, especially if you've got the time. And I think that probably plays a lot in every tracker's strategy is time of the day. Talk mm-hmm. about that. or, or oh, well, yeah. Actually, first, tell me about your, well, either one, either time of the day or tell me about that uh, one where you cut them off or made okay. the loop yeah, around. I'll do, all right. I'll do, I'll do both real quick. So I love getting on a big buck track at like 2.30 in the afternoon. Because a lot of times if it's fresh or I think, you know, if I think I'm kind of close to that buck, chances are he's up out of his bed and he's, he's looking away, you know, Mm -hmm. he's, his guard is down. They're usually coming down off, you know, of the mountain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a really awesome time to get on a buck track. And I feel like a lot of guys limit themselves because like one, two o'clock, you're kind of deep in there, whatever you start heading back. But, you know, if you can get on a big buck track at late in the afternoon, you are in the game. It's kind of like how we were talking about still hunting with the bow at prime time. Mm-hmm. Same kind of thing, except you're coming from behind them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because if, if you get on a buck track uh, first thing in the morning, a lot of times you're going to come to a bed uh, a lot of times and they're going to be looking right back on their track. They're going to have a very, very good visual. And a lot of times they have good wind, too. So, you know, there's, there's another variable when it comes to tracking that a lot of guys don't talk about, I feel like, and that's luck. You do have to get lucky because, you know, tracking down a buck is very hard, you know, and, and it does take that kind of little bit of luck, mm-hmm. you know, for, for your ducks to line up in a row. But um, another thing, time of the year has a lot to do with it. So early in the season, late October, early November, it's really hard to find a buck track, but if you do, he's right there. Mm-hmm. In the middle of November, it's really easy to find a buck track, but the sun, they don't want to stop. Right. They, I, I call it lining out. They'll just line out, and I swear, I have this theory about bucks. That time of year, they'll just go up these big, crazy mountains to the top, down over the backside and then up over another one. Just, I, I swear they're not looking for does. They're just beating their chest. That, I swear that's what they're doing. It's like they're getting in shape for fighting and to look good for the does. And I know that, <laughs> that, that probably sounds crazy, but if you're following these things up through these mountains and it's like, dude, I'm a person and I know there's no does on that ridge. What yeah. are you doing? Uh-huh. Like they're just, they're just going up there beating their chest because I think they're just <laughs> They're so full of testosterone yeah. and they're still like, they're all worked up. I don't know. That, that's just kind of what I found. I could buy into it for sure though. Yeah. What is, what is he doing? What is he just like aimlessly walking like that? I don't know. And, and to the places that they go, 
there's no deer up there. There's no Tweety birds up there. But, <laughs> yeah. but anyway, so, so that's, that's middle of the month. You definitely need a lot of luck. Now, if you can find one with a doe, that's a whole nother thing. That's, that's a lot of fun. If you can find one with a doe, they're pretty stupid, but then, oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure you know about that with the bow hunting. I live for that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Me too. Me too. With tracking. If I can find a big buck with a doe, he's in a lot of trouble. Oh, yeah. And then the end of the season just like the beginning of the season, it's pretty hard to find one. But boy, if you can find him, he's tired. Mm-hmm. He's put he's putting the feedback to him. His his senses are kind of dulled. I feel like, you know, because they just he's running on fumes at that mm-hmm. point, you know. And if we have we have acorns, you know, it's it's pretty it's pretty fun because you know you can just go, you know, this year there wasn't a freaking acorn in new england in my opinion at least in the northern parts where i was maybe down in southern new england there was acorns i couldn't find a damn acorn anywhere yeah but i heard that from pretty much everybody yeah so and and that makes it tough but um you know when you have a good acorn year especially late season that's that's the ticket for sure but um tell me that story of the one that you looked around yeah yeah so that was uh that was in the high peaks of New Hampshire. Um, so I was on this mountain. It's like a 4,400 footer, which is, a, it's a pretty good one for the Northeast. Oh yeah. And um, I had scouted this area out in the summertime and um, ended up locating this, this big buck and nobody was hunting this deer. You know, I could tell the way he was up there. He was, you know, big sign, the whole thing. And the first snow we got, I want to say it was November, it was November 3rd. I got the day off from work. It was a Tuesday. I drove, it was like three hours, 15 minutes from my house that morning with a, with a buddy and my father-in-law actually that morning again. And uh, I headed up on this ridge and the whole way up in, never cut a deer track until I was way up on top in the spruces. And sure enough, boom, big, huge buck track. And like, he's like the buck track huge huge <laughs> huge like huge buck track and the way the snow was is it snowed all night like probably started like 9 10 p.m and ended at like maybe like 4 a.m and the track was pretty snowed in but being early in the year and, and another thing i'm not afraid to take an old track especially if it's like that four finger humdinger i'm gonna take it just because i know how hard it is to find them I'm not going to walk over it. I'm just going to see where he goes. I'm going to let him teach me something. I'll burn a whole day on an old track. But anyways, I get on his track. There's snowed in and I'm heading out through these ridges and he's up on the tops. Like I'm up in spooky, spooky stuff, right? Like, like you look to your right and it's like a hundred foot cliff. You look to your left and it's like just an ocean of, of spruce, like really cool stuff. And I'm going and going and probably two or three miles into it. I look up to my left and I see a deer get up and take off. I'm like, dang it. That was him, you know, because I hadn't seen another track that whole time. It's only the buck track. And the buck track kind of went up to the right on this like steep, like nose of the mountain. He was kind of headed up the nose. And this deer I saw get up and run was off to my left, probably like 100 yards or whatever. So I go over and just head right to where I saw the deer get up and run. Well, it wasn't the buck it was a doe and you know, just a little tiny, probably 110 pound doe bed. But sure enough, that 
buck that I was on, he had come down off the ridge and he sniffed her and kept going on his way down over the mountain, but it was smoking hot. Yeah. So, okay. If I didn't see that doe get up and run, that buck could have taken me to Timbuktu and back. And I would have never caught him probably, but that like, just to see that there's that luck element for me to see that doe get up and run. And for me to go over there and be like, Oh my gosh, here, here's this fresh track, like coming down off the ridge. So I start going on, on his, his track down over the ridge. And like five minutes later, I see him get up out of his bed below me and he crashed down over the mountain. I'm like, Oh my gosh. So at that split second, I was like, I'm going to head back up to, cause this was like down over, you know, getting down towards the spruce line where the, you know, the softwoods meets the hardwoods. Mm-hmm. And in that split second, you know, he ran straight down off. And I was like, man, you know, a lot of times they try to get above you. That's what they're going to, that's what they do. And I was like, I'm going to head right back up to the top where he had just went through two times in the last 12 hours he kind of liked that spot for some reason there's like a nose and then like another secondary ridge i'm like i'm gonna go right back up there and and if he comes back up through i'm gonna smoke him if not i'll come back and get on his track well i start hoofing it back up to that nose and we literally met right on the top and i shot i shot him head on at 10 yards and it was the most insane thing and i wasn't videoing either at this Uh point but it was the most insane footage like i can't even I can't even tell you how crazy it was. And it was muzzleloader season too. So I shoot him at like 10 yards. Like he stopped behind the spruce tree and like, I only see like half of him because he like sees me right at the same time I see him and I'm, oh my gosh. So I like click safety off and I like lean over to my right and I shoot and then he runs right by me. Like I could have like poked him with the barrel because well, there's no real estate up on top of those mountains either. Like there's, there's nothing there. So he runs right by me and I have the muzzleloader. So, I mean, I could have shot him five more times if I had my rifle, <laughs> but, uh, the, the shot that I put on him, all I hit was his windpipe. So I ended up, I had to chase him for the rest of the day and I ended up killing the buck, but you know, and on snow, I'm confident doing that. Yeah. But, um, and, and I had to shoot at him a few more times. Is that I, the one you him, have, but. do you have footage of the, of like following up? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I have that. Yeah. Yeah. That I have so watched. I, yeah. That was a good buck. He weighed uh, 194. Yeah. Dude, so he's a good bite. Yeah. I mean, that buck's beautiful regardless of what he weighs yes. or what anything, anything yep. else. He is beautiful. That's a sweet story, man. What? Like, yeah, thank I, you. I, I like that one a lot. I like the uniqueness to going with your instinct because you talk about the luck and I'm not going to argue mm-hmm. that there's not luck involved. But what mm-hmm. I will argue is, is that it's not exclusively luck. Like you had the instincts mm-hmm. to make the move to go up there for one. Like that, that's, there's no luck involved in that. That was a hell of a move. Mm-hmm. Number two is, so you also had the instincts to have your wits about you to see the dough in the first place. Well, while yes, it is kind of lucky that he did go down there, like to put yourself in those positions, experience is what allows you to start to find that luck a little bit, I think. So like, I think of somebody that's listening and is like, well, hell, I never get lucky. And it's like, well, I mean, you got to just keep chipping away. And eventually you do, because there's a whole bunch of stories that you have and I have for sure where we didn't get lucky. Right. It's like, you made that decision (laughs) and it didn't work. But I think that's, 
I don't know, just in general, that one's pretty cool because of the, the instinct thing and like knowing that they want to get up and above you is pretty cool. What, mm-hmm. what made you learn that? Or how is that something that like a theory that is that a theory that you picked up from somebody else? Or is that something that you have noticed or how to, or just following deer? How's, how'd you come up with that? So when you're, when you're tracking bucks on those spruce peaks, um, they'll, they'll just, especially if you're kind of like down off, off of the ridge, when you jump them, a lot of times they'll kind of bring you down low and they'll head back up on top and they'll get the height advantage. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they don't want to come down out of the softwood, mm-hmm. you know, because then I think they really feel vulnerable, you know, vulnerable. Yeah. That's why they're up there in the first place. And I've seen it a lot, you know, tracking up in that higher stuff. And like you just said before, I've made those swings a lot and not connected like that. It just so, <laughs> it just so happened to be a giant buck, you know, and yeah. that's whatever, but it, you know, it was very lucky that it, it happened, but yeah, that, that's how I, I started seeing that trend a lot in the higher stuff. Now, if you're hunting like foothills or flat stuff, those swings aren't going to be as productive. I feel like, because you don't have that, you don't have that uh, predictability with the buck because when you're hunting up on those big, huge mountains, like it's almost like I look at it like a big old jungle gym, mm-hmm. you know, the bucks are up on top. And that's the real estate they have. It might only be three, 400 acres of real estate up there. Whereas if you're hunting the foothills, there's some flat stuff. They just have an ocean of woods to yeah. do what, whatever. And, and it seems like in those foothills and the flatter stuff, there's a lot more swamps. And boy, I'll tell you, tracking bucks through swamps is really tough because they can just disappear in them dang things. And, and you can just walk right almost like 10 feet to them and then they'll bust out of there. And you just, you're never going to get them like that, but yeah. Yeah. Just see, dense, just super yeah. dense, right? You can't dense, see yeah. Them. Yeah. You can't see them and they'll always kind of have that advantage on it. But also there's another side of hunting those high mountains is you have to be physically able. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, it's kind of a younger man's game. And there is, there are guys that are older doing it, but they're like, they have to try really hard to stay in shape and stuff. I feel like it's kind of, and it's unique for me too, because there's not a lot of dudes up in this country in their twenties that are tracking. If they are, I know them, you know? Yep. So it's, it's kind of cool. You know, it's, it, it, yeah, I think, no, I think it's cool, man. And I think that yeah. a goal that you should have and a goal that I should have is to not let it only be an old or young man's game. How old are you? 26. So you're 26. Give it another 30 years. You're 56. Think about how much better then and how many more of those little instinct moves yeah. you'll have then. And I, that's kind of like how I always try to stay motivated to, in the off season, keep moving, keep working out, keep doing something yep. to keep myself in shape is like, it's kind of the goal, which obviously I got a lot of time to still yeah. you know, get out of shape, but it's kind of what I'm, what I have, how I think about it to stay motivated. I just got to stay away from the ice cream, man. I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's so, so tempting. So tempting. It, but. For me, it's peanut butter. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. I eat peanut butter like disturbing amounts. Like mm-hmm. it's it's like been present in the videos. Like people are like, oh, yeah, Zach eats peanut oh, yeah. butter. But it's like, no, like I'm talking. I'm talking to open the jar and like you're like, did you eat half of it today? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> That's a bad um, habit. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've given up a lot of worse habits, at least. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, well, I'm going to let you go. I've enjoyed it, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, yeah. dude, absolutely. I'm just thrilled to see somebody so excited about it, and you're taking the yeah. challenge head on. I think that's sweet. So keep at it, oh, and man. we'll stay in yeah. touch. All right, dude.